welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. I'm Colin Durant, and once again, I'm here with NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim. So we're speaking as the legislature has been working really long hours at a furious pace as they try to wrap up their business for the year. And in fact, we're recording right now in the early hours of the morning so we can capture everything that happened late into the night last night, which, of course, Pete was tracking. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're both I've, I saw Pete with his coffee mug. We're at least fully caffeinated. And we're ready to go. Um, but like I said, there's been a lot of action in recent days, in, including on some and many of NRCM's top priorities. So in this episode, what we wanted to do is give you an update on the key highlights and what's still in, in play. Pete, I know you've been in the State House talking with legislators, as have uh, some of our advocates and supporters, thanks to those supporters who showed up. Can you describe the state of play as lawmakers rushed to, uh, rushed to finish business and what some of the highlights have been in recent days from your perspective? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, lawmakers were there Late last night, uh, past midnight, I was there till about 11.30, so, and they're coming back today, and I think they're going to wrap things up today for most of the bills. Um, last night, they took a one-hour dinner break at about 8.30. They still had a couple hundred bills uh, that still needed attention. They've been plowing through bills. I mean, hundreds of bills have already been finalized and sent to the governor's desk, and she's been uh, signing big batches of them. And this is one of the most interesting and obviously most important times in the entire legislative process. This is when lawmakers give impassioned speeches on one issue after another. I mean, they may be talking about student privacy one minute, protecting tenants, the next bill, migrant worker rights, and a lot of environmental bills, a lot of clean energy bills um, have been going through the, the legislature, House and Senate in the last couple of days. And this is when the big decisions are made on bills that have been in the committee for months and for the ones that were not given unanimous support or were not killed in, in committee, this is where the big debates happen. And it's also when lawmakers bring their life stories into their floor speeches, revealing who they are, what they believe, how they were shaped by their families, their work, their part of, of Maine. And there's hard feelings, there's partisan feelings, but there's also this extraordinary mutual respect. There was a moment last night when applause broke out when uh, one lawmaker just expressed, a Republican expressed deep appreciation for the work of the Speaker of the House, for the great job he was doing. And everybody just recognized that moment. And there was another moment where at the end of a pretty long two hour fractious debate, a senior Republican House member got up and, and, he, and he said, you know, this is the greatest learning lab in Maine. We learn so much from each other. 
So let's let's come together. Let's get this debate done with. Let's vote. And I need to return to my farm. I want to get back on my tractor. I got some work to do. <laughs> so it was it was great. There are a lot of bills to keep track of. The bills are going back and forth. The lobbyists are chasing lawmakers. We're scrambling to talk to legislators, counting votes, trying to get some final conversations in. This is when the citizen legislature in Maine is really quite a remarkable institution. And that's the big takeaway at the top level for me every time when I watch it in action. The people involved are making a huge commitment of their time. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really, it really is. I mean, they, they do not get paid much and it's a ton of time. And uh, um, I, I can't, I, I, especially at this period in the legislative session. Yeah, it's, it's just so much. They're away from um, their families for a lot of time and they put in long days. Yesterday was, you know, past midnight. Yeah. You know, not many jobs require that. No, no. Yeah. Thanks to all of them for sure. But I know there were a couple big debates that happened over the past day or so that we've, that we were really paying attention to. Um, I think on COU and of course, um, our top priority um, right now, which is the EPR for packaging bill. Can you, can you just give us a little sense of how those, those went? Sure, yeah. Uh, so the COU, the consumer owned utility, yeah, big debates in both chambers on whether Maine should create a consumer owned utility that would replace the investor owned model uh, that we currently have run by Central Maine Power and Versant. And really good debates, really interesting, bipartisan in both chambers. Um, ultimately, the House passed the bill, 76 to 62, and the Senate also passed it. Uh, 19 to 16. And I think one of the, the most interesting moments was in the Senate debate yesterday when uh, Republican State Senator Rick Bennett got up and just in a blistering critique of the current ownership model, he just said, it's been a disaster. Maine people deserve the right to self-determination. CMP is no longer serving Maine. The foreign powers that own CMP and Versant do not care a whit about Maine people, he said. They've sued us. They have lied to us. We, it's time for a new model. And the opponents pretty much boiled their argument down to three words, capitalism, not socialism, which is really ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of fear mongering. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fear mongering. Because um, that's, you know, that's not what this is about at all. It's about uh, building, you know, uh, an institution run by the people for the for the people of Maine. Um, it would be a, a, if we could get there, it'd be a, it'd be quite an important way to save money and, and accelerate our transition to the clean energy economy that we need. Um, mm. Even those opposed to this bill said CMP is not a company that's easy to defend. So that was, mm -hmm. that was an acknowledgement, pretty much everybody. And I've, you know, you know, it's obvious that, <laughs> that a bill like that would bring out CMP's lobbyists and the halls were crawling with people who work directly for or or our consultants for CMP trying to kill kill those bills. Uh, so that was a big debate. Um, also a really important debate last night on in the House uh, on the extended producer responsibility for packaging bill. This was a bill that we've been working on now for a couple of years. And this bill would require uh, big brands like Amazon and Procter and Gamble to, that, uh, um, that create packaging to help pay for the costs of recycling and disposal of the waste that just keeps mounting mountain uh, turning into mountains in our in our landfills and and, and uh, in our community so uh, that 
that was an interesting debate. There was a good bit of critique about a, um, a pretty shoddy uh, little study that was done by an obscure researcher from York University. And, and, uh, and so there was, you know, about whether a, a policy like this would have an impact on consumer prices and, and there's no evidence for that. So that was a, a good debate. Um, and uh, the house passed it 86 to 57 last night about 1115. So that was good. Those were good votes. Literally burning the midnight oils right there. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it's great to see that house vote. And, you know, next time we record this podcast, hopefully we'll have some great news about um, some other, you know, the Senate vote on that as well. Yeah. Um, and then I'll head to the governor, hopefully as well. Um, so those were big, important votes. There've been a lot of others. Um, as I mentioned, we've seen a lot of progress this year on our priority issues, on environmental issues. There were some big victories. Uh, so, uh, already. And, uh, you know, I really like when you sort of take us out of the details and, and, and give us your perspective as someone that's been working in the legislature for a long time. Um, I'm curious about what themes you've seen emerge, um, you know, as you've worked on the front lines from this legislative session. Sure. Yeah. Um, four big themes emerge for me at this point. Um, First is lawmakers continue in the state of Maine to defeat bad bills. And this has been true for a long time. So even throughout the period of the previous governor, um, there was bipartisan uh, agreement to, to defeat rollbacks. And in this session, all of the rollback bills that NRCM has been concerned about have been defeated, including bills that would have weakened our solar energy program, that would have capped public land ownership in Maine, repealed Maine's plastic bag ban, blocked Maine from participating in a multi-state uh, efforts to reduce carbon pollution from cars and trucks. All of those bad bills were defeated. So that's always a nice place to start. Um, second big theme is uh, legislators definitely are taking climate change seriously, more seriously than we've seen ever before. And a lot of um, statements by Republicans as well on the floor about the importance of, of action. So. Uh, there was a bill to to improve um, our solar energy program and make some tweaks to it, and that will help ensure that hundreds of megawatts of community solar projects will be built. There's some new there's two bills dealing with financing mechanisms for clean energy, a so-called green accelerator and green energy accelerator, and another one called CPACE. Uh, important bills. Uh, they passed a bill adopting science-based projections of sea level rise into statute, and that's important as state agencies develop rules to deal with sea level rise. There's some new energy efficiency standards for appliances that likely will come into law. Uh, there was also a bill directing state employee pension plans to divest from fossil fuels. That was a bill pushed um, successfully very well by a number of groups, but including Maine Youth for Climate Justice. And there's a bill that is now gonna require the Public Utilities Commission to address climate change as part of its mission. So a lot of good stuff on climate and clean energy. Third big theme is uh, definite progress on addressing plastic pollution and recycling issues. So I mentioned the bill about um, uh, manufacturers of, of um, packaging waste having to help pay for the cost of our recycling programs. That's gonna be great for municipalities and, and really, uh, kind of relieve the burden on taxpayers. 
They also passed a ban on intentional release of balloons, which are a source of pollution. Uh, they've established a uh, passed a bill to establish a minimum recycled content standard for all plastic bottles sold in the state. So that's going to be important to make sure that those plastic bottles that are bringing beverages to us, uh, a significant uh, amount of the plastic is recycled content. Uh, there's a bill that we worked quite a bit on. Uh, it's been a couple years in the makings, creating a system for the safe disposal of unwanted prescription drugs. And so all of those are good. And then there's a fourth theme that I think I had not seen before, and it's pretty important. Um, lawmakers really took a stand against harmful chemicals and pollutants across the board in a number of ways, despite heavy lobbying from out-of-state corporations. So um, a whole bunch of bills, and I'm just gonna tick through a few of them and mention some of the, the out-of-state corporations that were fighting against them. Really important bill to uh, ban the use of neonicotinoid pesticides called neonics uh, for residential landscaping and lawn care. And these neonics um, are definitely killing bees. Uh, bee colonies have been rapidly declining. This is a big win for bees, beekeepers, farmers. And not surprising, the biggest opponent was Crop Life America. Uh, they represent um, the pesticide manufacturers and distributors. So uh, that was a big win, even though the, there was this out-of-state corporation that was fighting it. Uh, lawmakers in both chambers have voted to ban aerial spraying of glyphosate and other synthetic herbicides, uh, particularly for, for forestry and timber harvesting activities. And this is a, a chemical, it, it's, um, it's also called Roundup, that's uh, been deemed a probable carcinogenic for humans by the World Health Organization. Bayer Corporation came in and testified hard to, to um, kill that bill. They're, they're the manufacturers of glyphosate since they acquired Monsanto in 2018. Uh, the legislature passed and the governor has signed into law a ban on the use of pesticides con containing chlorpyrifos, uh, which is a neurotoxic pesticide. And it was opposed by Corteva AgriScience, uh, which is a division that came out of the merger of Dow and DuPont. Uh, looks like lawmakers are on track to ban the use of, of glyphosate and dicamba pesticides within 75 feet of school grounds. Uh, this was opposed by Bayer Crop Science, uh, the manufacturer of both pesticides. And uh, lawmakers also passed a bill to phase out the sale of products in Maine containing the so-called forever chemicals, PFAS, and this uh, particularly dealing with carpets and rugs. And these chemicals, you know, have been in the news a lot for a lot of different reasons. They pose a serious health risk to children and pregnant women. And the leading opposition, not surprising, American Chemical Chemistry Council, and they've been running these digital ads recently that have been just outrageous, trying to get people to contact the governor to veto the bill. Wild fear tactics in these um, digital ads claiming the bill will increase the cost of cars and trucks and auto parts and even groceries. So all of these are important. There was also one, one last bill I want to just want to mention. The governor will soon sign, um, we believe, it'll be like, certainly land on her desk and we're pretty sure she's going to sign it, a bill to require oil tank facilities to conduct continuous fence line monitoring at tank farm facilities, measuring the hazardous air pollutants. And this is important. We've got, um, particularly in South Portland, uh, I think something like 120 oil storage tanks. 
and uh, the residents of South Portland have done a great job of bringing attention to this. And these tanks give off benzene and xylene and other pollutants. And so we're going to have, I think, a first in the nation fence line monitoring system driven by citizens who don't want um, to be living in the unknown of how many pollutant, what are the pollutant clouds that are coming us our way. And biggest opponent, American Petroleum Institute fighting hard to kill that one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That is a, that, that's just a me, like a who's who. Yeah. Um, and it really sounds like lobbyists for out-of-state corporations were just swarming the state house in the final days of the session, trying to defeat these bills, particularly the ones in toxic chemicals. But I know also, you know, our EPR for packaging bill to fix recycling, a lot of sort of, you know, these big brands were trying to defeat that bill. Um, so I'm curious, was there any positive action by out-of-state corporations or were they just trying to kill all of our good ideas? Well, that's a good question. So uh, yeah, we, we um, you know, generally what we see is people fly in in suits. I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, how we describe it is like, suddenly there's people really well-dressed that are at the, at the state house in really fancy Italian <laughs> shoes. And, and uh, they've, they've come in on their corporate jets and, and landed in Augusta. And, and even the way they talk sometimes is just, you know, it's quite revealing. But uh, the governor um, has signed into law a bill to phase out high polluting chemicals known as hydrofluorocarbons, H HFCs, which are a potent greenhouse gas used mm -hmm. in air conditioners and refrigerators and appliances. And, and these HFCs are hundreds of thousands of times um, more uh, damaging heat trapping in the atmosphere, in the uh, atmosphere in, than carbon dioxide. So it's a bad uh, greenhouse gas. So Honeywell testified in support of the bill. And that was really great to see. And they said that replacing, this is kind of direct from their testimony, replacing HFCs with better alternatives is key to achieving greenhouse gas emission reductions in Maine. Globally, rep uh, replacing these HFCs will, uh, with low global warming potential alternatives could avoid up to 0.5 degrees Celsius of warming by the end of the century. So hmm. there you go. Hon Honeywell showed up and they were a strong, um, uh, you know, corporate voice for doing the right thing. So we like that. All right. At least there was one. That's yeah. good. <laughs> there might've been some others. I didn't see them, but <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Uh, well, it's, that is what a whirlwind. Um, can you t tell, tell me what's coming up in the, uh, what's coming up in the next few weeks? What, what can folks expect out of the state house? Sure. So they were there late last night. The house kept working. The Senate um, adjourned a little bit earlier. So they're both coming back today. So, and we're recording this on Thursday, uh, the 17th. So um, lawmakers are going to try to wrap up essentially all of the policy bills today and, and send them to the governor. Uh, there's a bunch of work that the Appropriations Committee is still um, plowing through. So they've got four big chunks of work. Um, one is the rescue fund. So Maine is receiving from the COVID relief um, uh, bill passed by Congress, a significant amount of funding that uh, the governor has laid out as the jobs in, in recovery plan. Many important climate and environmental initiatives in that. Um, so that is gonna get some attention, needs to be worked through. The appropriators also are looking at um, what's called the change package, uh, which is a supplemental appropriations bill. That has 50 million in it for state park um, 
renovations and and also 50 million for energy efficiency. So uh, that's that's important. Um, the uh, the there's a bond package with Land for Maine's Future funding in it, and we hope that that is passed. Uh, that would provide 40 million over four years. And then there's a whole bunch of bills that have passed the House and Senate that require funding. And those are put on what's called the appropriations table, uh, which is just a, a long list of bills that they only become law if the appropriations committee decides to give them funding. So one of the last things of the, of the, um, of the process will be that the appropriations committee figures out which of those bills get funding and, and the, our, our EPR for packaging bill is gonna end up on that appropriations table. So, so the appropriators are gonna, gonna be work, continuing to work even after the House and Senate adjourn, not adjourn, but kind of um, finish their work uh, today. They'll keep working for the next two weeks and the lawmakers are gonna come back on June 28th and that's called veto override day. The governor will be getting all these bills. She has 10 days to, to decide whether she's signing them or vetoing them or letting them become law without her signature. And, and then the ones she vetoes come back and the House and Senate um, have votes to see whether they have the two thirds majorities in both the House and Senate to override her veto. So on June 28th, they'll be back and they'll also deal with all of these funding bills. It's extremely important because this is, there's some, a lot of good positions, new positions and new initiatives and, and bills that we uh, are hoping to get funded. So that'll all happen on June 28th. And then there could actually be one last second veto override <laughs> day in mid-July because some of those bills that are funded by, um, through the appropriations table could be vetoed by the governor. Uh, we hope that doesn't happen. So we're, we're down to like, you know, one or two more days <clears throat> and then they're done. And then wow. they won't come back till January. Yeah. Wow. Well, Pete, I just don't understand how you and all the, all the other advocates at NRCM tr keep track of this um, throughout the legislative session. How many bills were you actually tracking this year? So we have a pretty uh, sophisticated spreadsheet at, uh, the, at NRCM. We were tracking 265 bills this year. That's out of about 1,700 bills that were printed. And so Amazing. we keep track of all, you know, what the status is on all those bills. We don't testify on all of them, but these are ones where they're really, really so many of them are really high priority and many others were monitoring through the process. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. And, 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 you know, as we talked about, this is NRCM's wheelhouse, right? Working in the state house, making this policy happen. And it's just so wonderful to have you, um, our colleagues here at NRCM, our allies in the environmental community, our supporters all working in the trenches to keep track of all these bills, make sure the bad bills get killed. And of course, make sure those good bills move forward, like the EPR for packaging bill. Um, so you must be exhausted. There's probably not enough coffee in the world, but uh, thanks so much for all your Today work. There will be a high coffee intake day. I yeah, yeah, that. for sure. Thanks for all your work. Thanks for talking to uh, me early in the morning. That's it for now. I'm excited to be off on a long, uh, sorry to say, Pete, while you're in the state house, I'm off yeah, for a okay. long weekend at Cobbscook Bay State Park with a family. Really excited about that to get down east. And, um, and Pete, I hope you get a chance to refresh in, in the outdoors uh, in the coming days at some point. Oh, I will. All right. Until, until next time. Thanks hey, for a, listening. Have a great time down east.
Thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast listening apps. To learn more about NRCM, please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment. Until next time, thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again.